looking at Psalm chapter 73. Bryce came to see me this week. He's been coming by my office and, and uh, working a little bit with me. And um, we were talking about the Word. And, you know, I've been really kind of just pouring out meat. <laughs> and I've been a little, at times, a little too deep. I'm sorry. Uh, tonight is going to be real simple, though, okay? Psalm, the 73rd Psalm. You have to understand with Scripture, you have people that just still need the milk. They're young and, and, and you know, haven't got to the place where they can handle the meat yet. So sometimes as a pastor, we have to back up and say, you know, sometimes we just need to share some simple truths. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to read from Proverbs, believe it or not. We're going to be in Psalm 73, so stay there. But I'm going to read two verses in Proverbs chapter 23. So when you find that, stay in Proverbs 23. Larry, you're either ready early or you wanted to testify, but I think you're... You're just ready early, aren't you? Proverbs chapter 23, verses 17 and 18. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Let not thine heart envy sinners. That's the title of what I'm going to share tonight. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Surely for there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Bless us, Lord. We need you every hour. We need you moment by moment. Just bless tonight as I share some simple truths from the 73rd Psalm, Lord, that we'll glean and, and be blessed from it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to get three Psalms. <clears throat> We're going to read one verse from Psalm 73, and then we're going to back to Psalm 37 and 49 and coming back here. But the verse we're going to read from verse 3 is, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Go back now to the 37th Psalm. The 37th Psalm, just a few pages before this. 37 Psalms, a well-known psalm. Here David is writing under the inspiration of God. These men, the 40 of them, when they wrote, they were always inspired. They'd either had a vision or a dream or they heard an audible voice. Uh, they, and in most cases, they experienced what they were sharing. In some cases, they didn't know what they were sharing, did they? God said, just seal the book. You'll learn later. I'm not going to give you the answer now. But David knew what he was writing, and he says here, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. In verse 3, he says, Trust in the Lord. In verse 4, he says, Delight thyself in the Lord. In uh, verse um, 5, he says, um, and I've lost my place here, bear with me. Verse 4, excuse me, he says, Delight thyself in the Lord. Verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. And then verse 7, rest in the Lord. So he says, you know, don't be envious. Instead, trust in him, rest in him, delight in him. So don't be envious of the wicked. Then we go to Psalm 49. Psalm 49. We're talking about this matter of trust. And here it says in Psalm 49, verse 6, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give God a ransom for him. You can't buy your salvation. 
You can't buy salvation for anyone else. You need to trust in the Lord individually. And he's saying, don't, don't worry about evildoers. Don't be envious of them. Just trust the Lord. Now we go to the 73rd Psalm. Now, Psalm 49 was a psalm of Korah, the sons of Korah. So we have David, and we have the sons of Korah, and now we look here at Asaph, and three different people writing pretty much about the same theme. In verse 1 of Psalm 73, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a pure heart. So here he says, God is good. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. But as for me, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Why? Because I was, he says, I'm envious of the foolish. And I'm paraphrasing. When I saw the prosperity. When I saw their prosperity, the wicked people prospered, I was envious of that. I mean, you look in this world and we see really wicked people prosper. Some of the richest people in, in, in the world, several or most of them are Americans, and almost all of them are completely evil. And they have so much. And we look at them and we can easily be envious because here we're children of God and we struggle. You know, it, it's hard to understand. But here, David and the sons of Kor and Asaph all see the same thing. But in verse 3, I was envious of the foolish when I saw. First of all, we know that we're told not to live by sight. Don't set your affection on the things of the world or the things of the earth. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Have faith that God is in control. He knows exactly what you need. You know, I like when the psalmist said, don't give me too much, Lord, and don't give me too little. Did you know God knows how much we can handle? And he knows how much he can trust us with? And so we, we thank God for his provision and for knowing what we need. So he says, I was envious. He had his eyes on the world. And he, he says in verses 4 through uh, 10, there's no bands in their death. I mean, they don't seem to struggle with death, but we know when they wake up, <laughs> they're in a struggle. Uh, it says their strength is firm. I mean, they'll curse God right up to the end. They'll make fun of Christians right to the day they die, and they'll be defiant even on their deathbed. <clears throat> they're not in trouble as other men. They can probably afford the best lawyers. Neither are they plagued like other men. They probably afford the best doctors. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They, they have more than a heart could wish. I mean, these people have everything. <laughs> you know, I, had, I bought a new car for myself one time. When I was 18, I bought a Ford Pinto. <laughs> Wasn't that a choice? I, I had this massive Camaro. And Larry probably laughed at my story. I, I, I'm not a mechanic, and my brother-in-law certainly laughed because he, he's retired as an auto mechanic. Then I got a Ford Pinto, and that I could almost bench press the thing. It was just nothing. And in Michigan, cars rust, and by the time it started rusting, I mean, that thing wasn't, wasn't worth anything, and it, it was light as a feather, and I got rid of it. But, you know, I would love to be able to buy a brand-new car every few years, but it hadn't happened. You know, uh, you know, I have cars with high mileage, and I'm fine with that, by the way. I'm content. But we look at the world sometimes, and they're buying Beamers and Mercedes all the time, and they have a house here and a house there, and they go down and live in a mansion down on the coast and in, the, in the winter, and then they go up where it's cooler. And we look at them, and, and they have the best doctors, and, 
And if they don't like the way they look, they just pay to change their looks. I mean, they just have everything. And we're just like, man, that's unbelievable, you know, because we struggle sometimes. And maybe some of you are blessed financially more than others. Thank God for it. Keep giving and keep thanking God for it. But here we know that we look at the world sometimes. Look at verse 9. <clears throat> verse 8, excuse me. They, they, ha- they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They even belittle the poor. They speak loftily, loftily, that's arrogantly. They have set their mouth against the heavens. I mean, these people will just curse God. They don't care about God. They'll take the Lord's name of vain and they'll just curse God to his face. And, and that's so typical of the world. And their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is their knowledge in the most high? So first of all, don't live by sight. Second of all, don't limit God's sight. God sees it. God knows it. It says sometimes we even question, does God really know what's going on? I mean, if I were God, and believe me, you're happy, I'm not. I've got plenty of sin, plenty of failures and shortcomings. But if I were God, I'd just snap my finger once in a while and straighten this mess out, you know? But... It is a mess. We say amen to that. But we're thankful I'm not God because God's plan is perfect. Even though we don't see it unfolding quite like we like it. You know? And there's times in my life I'm glad that I wasn't God. When I was a kid, I had a kid two years older than me that picked on me. I was in sixth grade. He was an eighth grader that failed a couple times. He's in sixth and he would punch me and punch me. And I was so small and skinny. He was 5'8", 140 pounds in sixth grade because he's really an eighth grader. And I'm about 5'6", 110. Well, he never grew again. He never grew again. So I came home from college, and I'm 6'5", playing college, but I'm 220. I could have really whipped him. But I used to pray for God to kill him. You know, God, I wish you'd kill him. If I were God, he'd be dead. But you know what I do now? Every day I pray for Steve Wren. God save him. Lord, he was my enemy, but save him. Because I'm in sixth grade. Aren't you glad I wasn't God then? Because he'd be dead. And I'd be a bad God. But sometimes we don't think God's aware. Why, why doesn't God just come? Yesterday, my nephew, he wants to discuss scripture. I mean, he wants all these answers now. So I got to email him. I got to study this stuff and send him all this stuff. Um, because I couldn't answer his questions quick enough. And he's wanting to know, well, you know, is the Lord coming this year? And I said, you know, we don't know when the Lord's coming. Uh, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. In fact, Jesus chooses not to know. As God, he knows everything. But in that case, he says, I, I'm not going to know. I'm waiting for God to tell me, and then I'll come and get the church. He said, but with, with, with this, our country messed up and all this sodomy type stuff, and, and now we got the pestilence, which pest, the word pestilence, by the way, doesn't just have to do with, uh, with you know, bugs or something, locusts. It also, the word actually applies to disease. Every disease has living organisms. I guess you know that. When you have an infection, there's a battle with living creatures in your body. So pestilence includes COVID. And he was saying... 
you know, all this stuff going on and, and the word, uh, you know, nation shall rise against nation. In one place, it's the word ethnos. And he said, that means race. I said, it does. There's going to be races hating races. And we know all this stuff's going on. And he says, well, the Bible says this generation shall not pass away. Is that a reference to Israel? Because he asked me when Israel came back. I said, they came back in 48. And uh, some have said that because they came back in 48, that generation is not going to pass away till the Lord comes. So they say 100 years from 48 is 2048 minus the tribulation. He's coming back 2041. You know, and Jack Van Impe used to say he's coming back in 81, seven years, 88, 40 years is plenty for a, for a uh, generation. So people get into all this stuff. We just don't know. But we do know God's aware. And God has a plan. And oh, how I wish he would come today. Come, Lord Jesus. That's how we should pray. Did you know 2,000 years ago, John and Paul and them thought he was going to come at any moment? And when the extreme persecution of Nero and, you know, after Christ, when they destroyed the temple and the extreme persecution, they're throwing Christians to the lions and Jews were Jewish Christians were just treated terrible. They thought they were going into the tribulation period. You can tell by their writings. And during the Holocaust, there's a lot of Jews that thought that was Jacob's trouble. Of course, Jews don't accept Jesus as the Messiah, but they realize Jacob's trouble is an Old Testament concept, right? We know the New Testament tells us it's a tribulation period, and it's going to happen. I believe we're going to be gone before that I'm a pre-trib rapture guy. But the fact of the matter is, we know that several times throughout history, people thought the end was here, and we're thinking it now. And I hope he comes today. I mean, if he really had mercy on you, he'd come before I finish this message, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I wish the Lord would come, but he chooses not to so far, and he's got a plan. But let me tell you something. He is well aware of what's going on. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So don't think that God isn't aware. Don't limit his sight, his awareness. He knows what's going on. He's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. That's omniscient is the fancy Greek word that you learn in Bible college. He's, you know, he's, he's omniscient. He's also all-powerful. Omnipotent is the word. He's all-powerful. And so he can do anything he wants. He knows everything. He can do anything. And then, then we, we read down, we, we find that verse 15, we, well, let's just go ahead and read the whole thing. <clears throat> verse 12, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. And here's the thing, when we get a line, we get whipped. <laughs> For whom the Lord loveth thee. You know, and they don't get chastened. They do this stuff and it seems like they make more money and get more power. And, you know, and we're like, what's going on? When I get out of line, the Lord whips me. Well, you're a child of God. Of course he's going to whip you. You see, we reap now. When, when we're, we're having difficulties, sometimes it's we're reaping what we've sown years before. Not all bad things that happen are reaping what you've sown because some of us is testing and trials and there's different reasons. The Bible says in Genesis that one of the curse, part of the curse is, is sickness and disease. So just because you have a disease or sickness doesn't mean God's punishing you. But there are several reasons things happen to good people, bad things happen to good people. And one of them is chastening. 
Yet they're not chastened. They're not chastened in this life. They're not chastened in the present time. Oh, they may reap what they sow. They may get caught and put in jail for something. But they seem to skate through life and get by with everything. They, uh, verse 14, verse 15, and if, I, and if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of the troll. And he said, I, I can't really say anything. Verse 16, he really couldn't handle thinking about all this. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. You know, I mean, Asaph is really struggling. It's just so painful. He was really envious of the wicked and what was going on in the world, you know. And so he's really having a hard time. But then he gets to verse 17. And it says here, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I realized their end. You know, we think they're not going to be chastened. Oh, they are. For eternity, they'll be in hell. So rather than be being envious of wicked people, be compassionate towards wicked people. Even though you can't stand them. Even though you'd like to see them taken out. I mean, our old nature would love to see vengeance right now and everybody but me. I need mercy, Lord. But Lord, chasing all God's people that are out of, you know. But not me, Lord. I need, I need mercy. And Lord, deal with these rotten sinners and punish these people. But Lord, please overlook what I did yesterday. It's called hypocrisy, isn't it? So he says, when I went into the house of God, I realized their end. And folks, their end is hell. Their end is hell. Verses 18 to 20, he gives a description of their end. He says, surely thou hast set them in slippery places and, and casteth them down to destruction. How are they brought into destruction? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, everything happens. And sometimes they get caught or imprisoned or whatever, but we know the end of life for the sinner is drastic because it's hell. It's eternal. There's no purgatory. There's no baptism for the dead to get them to go into heaven. That's another misinterpreted phrase. They wake up separated from God for eternity. And I believe everything the Bible says at hell, about hell because the Bible is God's word. There's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The worm will not die. Disease will never end. You'll be down there. If you're not saved, you'll be down there running from all the evil people that ever lived and all the demons and devils and all the pain and suffering. Can you imagine being in a place, trapped in a place with Adolf Hitler, with demons with all the worst pedophiles and murders that have ever existed, to be in eternity with those kind of people? I, mean, I just can't imagine that. It's just disgusting to think about it. And, and notice verses 21 and 22. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. He discovered his own foolishness. <laughs> Once it hit him, hey, there's eternity, and these people are going to be dealt with. Once that hit him, he realized how foolish he'd been. Why, why am I envious of people who are going to spend eternity in hell? 
Too many times Christians have a temporal view, a temporary perspective of the world they live in. Folks, get an eternal perspective. Your life here is just a vapor. It's just a speck. If I said there's a tiny, tiny speck on that wall somewhere, you couldn't even see it. But that great big wall behind us represents eternity, and the tiny speck on it is your life. And, of course, eternity doesn't stop. It just keeps going and going. But think of your life in comparison to billions and billions and billions and billions of years. What is, Jesus said three score and ten. The psalmist said three score and ten and four score if you're lucky. What, what is that when we think about being with him for eternity? And then when we're told the least in this kingdom are rewarded greatly in the next, why would we be discouraged because we've had hard times? It's almost like we should say, God, pour it on me. I'll take all the bad stuff now because I know it's going to be great in the kingdom. We had a little girl in our church. She only lived to be about 12. She grew about that big, lived her whole life in a wheelchair. And her parents didn't understand why their only child was like that. Now the mother's deceased. Her mother died before she died. And, and, and they finally got a grip on it and realized that little girl's going to be one of the greatest in the kingdom. You think about that. It's what the Bible says. That little girl who had nothing in this life except Jesus is going to have everything in the kingdom. And those of us that have been given much and haven't lived up to what we, we're, we're going to be lower in the kingdom. I'm going, to, I'm going to be saved and it's going to be a wonderful kingdom. Don't get me wrong. But there's so much promise for those that suffer in this life. As a child of God, the reward is out of this world. Literally. So here, he discovered his own foolishness. Look at 23 to 26. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, and thou holdest me by the right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. He's going he's to receive me into glory. <laughs> I mean, just think of that. If you're having a hard time right now, just my dad used to say, son, quit worrying about it. A hundred years from now, you'll never know the difference. And I get so tired of my dad's sarcastic answer, but my dad really meant that. He said, you get so worked up. And he used to say something, don't let your underwear get in a bundle or undie in a bundle or something to me. I'd get all upset. He'd say, you're all twisted up. You need to stop that. You know, my mom would just say, son, whatsoever things, this verse, Philippians 4.8, find me, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I hated her quoting that to me. But you know what? Think on those things. Because, folks, in a hundred years, we're going to be with the Lord. And if the rapture takes place, this place. I mean, can you imagine what this is going to be like during the tribulation period? The few people that might show up for church aren't saved. There's no hope. If they, had, if, they, if they ignored Jesus and didn't trust him and ignored the gospel, living in this Bible belt, the Bible says it would be worse for them than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, for people who have never heard, there's going to be a great revival in the tribulation period because the two witnesses, and we've already said that a few weeks ago. We're not going to re, re, revisit that theme, but the fact of the matter is, if you're not born again, you, you need to be saved because there's no hope without God. 
For whom, for whom, verse 26, for whom have I in heaven but thee? And there's none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. And the word, the word here, it's not saying the only thing in heaven is God. It's, but, but, but the greatness of our Lord in comparison to all the saints, there's a vast difference, right? I mean, I want to get there. I want to meet Abraham. I mean, I just can't wait. I'm going to love that. Maybe I'll sit down and listen to him for a thousand years. And I want to see my grandparents and my mother and my dad. But Jesus, I mean, you know, think of what it's going to be like to see Jesus. The, the greatest thrills you've ever experienced in this life will not compare to one moment in heaven. But unfortunately for the wicked, verse 27, it's destruction. For lo, they, have, they, are far, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. Verse 28 again ends in a positive way. But it is good for me to draw nigh or near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God and I may declare that I may declare all thy works. So we put our trust in him and then we declare his works. Declare his works. Tell people about it. But look at verse 20. God doesn't sleep. Seems as though he does, but he doesn't. As a dream when one awaketh, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. The psalmist, to the psalmist, this is like God's asleep, but God never sleeps or never slumbers. But to the psalmist, it felt like it because all this stuff was going on. And sometimes we get like that. We think that, what's God letting this happen for? Do you know how many times I, I used to get even with people? But in the last, you know, 20, 30 years of my life, I've matured in Christ and I, a thought will come. Here's what I could do to get that person. And then the Lord says, but I'm not going to bless you if you do that, you know. Make a phone call, tell on somebody, you know, write a vicious letter. And those thoughts come to your mind. Folks, we have to realize their end is an end of destruction. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, thus saith the Lord. Anyone who's hurt you will answer to God. And if they're a child of God, they'll answer in this lifetime. They'll be chastened. They won't have the peace and joy they need to have. One thing that is a student of God's word that I hear quite often misstated. The word happiness is dependent on happiness. Excuse me. The word happiness is dependent on happenings. Did you know the world can be happy? I heard someone on the radio say the other day, people of the world can't really experience happiness. You know, I'm like, yes, they can. It's dependent on happenings. If you win a million dollars, I'm telling you, you'll be happy for a while. But they can't have joy. Joy is dependent on a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. The world has happiness, and sometimes you have happiness. I always, I always liked it when I went to start my Camaro in the cold weather, it always started because the solenoid didn't swell. When the car was hot, it wouldn't start. So I'd have happiness when it started. And unhappiness, when, it, when I was on a date with my girlfriend, it wouldn't start. It's too warm. Got to wait till it gets cold. It was a weird thing. 
And that's an illustration that's been on my mind. But all the other times I've had happiness in my life. Lots of things. But it doesn't last because things don't last. But I can have joy every day when my relationship with the Lord is what it ought to be. When I confess my sins and I talk to him during difficulty, all of a sudden, my whole perspective changes. And, and I don't want to be envious of the world because I know what's coming their way. I want to have compassion for the world. And that's hard to do. When you get to a place in your life where you're mature enough to have compassion for people who have everything, when you can have compassion for George Soros, you know, instead of contempt, you know you're growing in Christ because people without the Lord are going to stand before him. When you can have compassion for the Hollywood crowd, I mean, it's a good thing I'm not God for a day. It's a good thing I'm not president for a day. I'd immediately impose a massive tax on all the athletes and all the entertainers. 20% tax. Leave the rest of us alone. You're being taxed because you're making way more than you're worth. We're living in a country where you can bounce a ball or run and catch a ball or pretend to be something you're not. And you're not only rich, but you have all the opinions of, of politics and of the world and you can express yourself. You have the platform and the rest of us are like, what's up with these people? I will not ever take advice from anyone who lives their life pretending to be something they're not. An actor is never going to impress me, you know. And so we, we, get, we get caught up in this stuff. Have compassion for those people. Because every knee will bow. And let's hope they bow before it's too late. Let's pray. God bless us. Thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you to bless the meeting now as the men come. Uh, the media information meeting that will just uh, have our questions answered and and have things thoroughly explained. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.